I'm Chara Santilli. I was born with ambition. My parents were entrepreneurs and I pushed myself to be high school valedictorian, class president, most artistic, and most likely to succeed. The summer I turned 19, we celebrated my dad's 50th birthday with a hot air balloon ride. A crash landing left him with a broken neck, me with a broken heart, and my mom coping through alcohol. My relentless ambition helped me become a successful entrepreneur, yet my own private paralysis and overachiever addiction ruled me. I finally ventured on a quest for my best life. I found the path of my inner peace, how to stay on it and how to show the way for others. Now it's your turn. Ready to take that load off your shoulders? Join me so you can cherish your life. Today, I have with me Matt DeFrancesco. We met this past summer at an exit planning conference and um, that I was invited to with a from a dear friend of mine who's uh, an attorney that specializes in that space. My first time into that world. And Matt has been in that world for a long time. He will tell us about his experiences in a moment. But I love that not only is he a certified exit planner, and we can talk a little bit about what that is, but today's conversation, you know, hang tight. We're actually going to be talking about things I normally talk about, or, or at least the, that category of personal development and enriching your life. But I love that, Matt, you describe yourself as a financial technician, and I think that's that's yes. a cool thing. And it also ties in with your niche, which we can talk about more too. But he is truly dedicated to aligning families and businesses to create multi-generational wealth. And specifically his niche, this was what was really fascinating to me too um, when we first met, uh, because it's not something you hear every day. He literally specializes in um, helping auto collision shop owners. So people who own collision shops, that's his primary client for the most part. And that's so so calling yourself a financial technician. I see the play on words there a little bit. And the name of your business, High Lift Financial. Get it? Car people out there. High Lift, like lifting your car. And uh, so some fun play on words that you've done with marketing and things, which I love. Uh, You are also the host of the podcast, Your Business, Your Life, which I had the pleasure of being on um, recently. And we had, and he also is married with four children, all boys. Um, So we'll hear all about this in a minute. But um, Mm -hmm. he had me on his podcast and we had such a great time talking. We certainly did not have um, any issue of (laughs) talking (laughs) and and, and going on about all sorts of things in the personal development world that uh, it turned into a two episode thing on his podcast, my interview uh, over there, which I I'm so appreciative for and so happy to have you over here because it was so easy to talk with you. So fun. He's a self-proclaimed personal development junkie. So Matt, mm-hmm. welcome to Cherish Your Life and um, let me know, you know, whatever you feel like responding to out of everything I just tossed out there. No, no, I think you explained it great, Cherish. And I'm excited to be on with you. I know we had we had a lot of fun on ours. And uh, uh, I think the topic of personal development is something that most people and especially business owners kind of glance over. And I think it's it's really important. And, I, and that's one of the things I'm hoping we get to talk about is the importance of always working on yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I know it is so important to you. You've, you've, you've had a coach in your life I mm-hmm. for how many years? 12, uh, 13 years I've been working 13 years. Him. Okay. And yeah. did you have a coach prior to that? Um, I wouldn't say a coach. I've had mentors um, that have helped me in the business and in um, and in just my personal development. Uh, but no, just a, form, a formal coaching is really just uh, that's I've been in the last thirteen years. Okay, and what sparked you to get that coach initially? And um, I know from what you shared with me before, you can talk a little bit about this now. Maybe um, he's. It's a combo for you of business and per- and personal, I believe. So, talk a little bit about like what sparked it and what kinds of things you cover. Well, 
if I could just give you a little bit of background, yeah. because I think that kind of tees it up. Um, you know, I got into financial service. I've, I've done a variety of things. Um, I was an English lit major coming out of college. And so didn't really have a lot of job prospects. Um, actually bounced right. There was a ski bum for a while, worked in data processing and for a mutual fund company came back, was a professional photographer for, for four years, then got into selling welding alloys, then worked for a, a fortune 500 company. And then always had kind of this entrepreneurial spark. So I ended up getting into financial services 18 years ago. And at the time I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have access to any money. Um, it was all just no rich family members, no rich friends, anything like that. So it was basically just grinding it out. And I started, um, you know, I, I was building my business and I kind of hit a plateau. And I knew that it wasn't going to be sustainable and I knew I needed some help. So it just happened that the firm I was with at the time uh, offered this business mastery uh, seminar uh, with Coach Joe. And so it was 500 bucks. I'm like, okay, I can spend 500 bucks. So I did that, went to Dallas, uh, sat down with him. And I thought I was going to learn a lot of like practice management skills, time management, those type of things. And really what, he, really what resonated with me is he started talking about mindset. And, um, he, you know, he used to work back in his previous life with the Tony Robbins organization, selling their programs, and then got into, uh, kind of broke out on his own and started coaching financial advisors. But this whole idea of mindset, I really started to realize that the thing that was holding me back was not my abilities, but it was how I thought. Okay. So I, that's how I ended up hiring them was really more about getting my, trying, getting my mind right and then being able to build the practice management skills that I needed. So, and that's one thing I've learned is that if, if, and this is really for any entrepreneur that's out there, if you don't get your head right, you're never going to, it's, you're never going to fulfill what you can really uh, fulfill and you can never, re never really kind of control your own destiny to a certain extent. Did you find there were certain themes or recurring stories, you know, that you would play out that were not serving you, you know, that were kind of your sabotaging stories or voices or common ways of being? Oh, definitely. I think, you know, I think first off, you know, and if you look at kind of the circle of, uh, of, um, what our mindset is life, the first set is uh, what are our beliefs? So, you know, how do we define, uh, this, how, how do we complete the sentence? I am, or people are, or life is, or, you know, businesses, you know, if we say, for example, you know, uh, I am, uh, not capable. Okay. I am, uh, I am a fraud. I'm an imposter. If, th if that's the dialogue that we have in our head, we're never going to get to where we want to go. Similarly, if we say that, you know, life is tough, life is hard. Again, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure. You know, business is hard. It's business is difficult to build. Business is, uh, it, it's hard to find the right the right people or the right clients or customers, those type of things. All of these are going to weigh us down and cause us to bottleneck and, and to almost stop moving. We become demotivated. So I think that's the first area is in our belief systems. You know, the second is what our internal dialogue is. What are we saying to ourselves every day? And most people I find have terrible uh, terrible, uh, self dialogue. I mean, I preach to my kids all the time when they say, uh, Oh, I'm not good at this. Ne you never say that. All right. I'm always willing to try. I'm always willing to get better. All right. Those are, that's the kind of self-talk we need to have. Um, our identity, what we see in the mirror. I think that's a huge, huge thing. You know, if we're getting up in the morning and we're looking in the mirror and we see somebody that's, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight, that's, uh, looks tired. Uh, that's, that's going to reflect in how we interact with people. Um, so all these areas I think are critical because again, if we don't get our mindsets right, and, and especially first off, you know, these images, our belief systems, our values is a huge one and values. I, you know, I define as really emotions and we have motions that we want to move toward and emotions that we want to move away from. So for example, let's say, uh, your, uh, moving forward value is love. Okay. That's something that you want to feel, but all of a sudden with those values, there are rules that happen that basically will trigger that emotion. And if we have a lot of rules, like I have to, and my wife always has to tell me she loves me and, or, and uh, I need people to always be appreciating me. And I've got all these rules that are stacked up. It makes it really hard for us to trigger the, those emotions. 
All right. Similarly, if, you know, especially in the business world or in the sales world, if one of your moving away values you don't want to feel is rejection, which is a big one, but it's really easy. If somebody says no, or if somebody says, I think about it, well, that's really easy to, to trigger. And again, if, if it's easy to trigger, then what do we do? We avoid taking action because we don't want to feel that emotion. So again, what we have to do with the emotions is redefine. We can't redefine the emotions that we want to feel, but we can change the rules that we want to, that, that caused that. So it was funny. We were, I just came out of my business planning uh, conference last week and um, my coach, and this is every year, we spend a whole day just on mindset and kind of identifying where's your current mindset and then how are we going to reframe it? So I remember doing this and like one of my moving forward toward values was love. Okay. And I had all these rules and we worked and worked and I finally got it down to is I love when I love others. Now I'm fully in control of that rule and it's very easy for me to feel, feel that emotion. Similarly rejection where you know, it's like, oh, I'll think about it. Somebody says, no, now I have to say, somebody has to tell me, you know, I never want to see you again, get out, get off my face, give me my file. And then they talk badly about my mother. Those, those are the, those have to trigger for me to feel rejection. So now, even when I get a no, that to me, that's just like, not yet. Maybe the timing's not right. So I think those four areas are really critical for us to, um, uh, to be able to get control of so that we can move forward and become the best version of ourselves. That's, that's awesome. I, um, the way that I talk about some of that in when I'm working with clients or even myself or, um, in my programs and things is around, uh, the expectations we put on ourselves or others, um, Uh, or also then excuses too that come into play again, you know, for why we are or not feeling a certain way or achieving a certain thing we want or whatever. But usually it's all, it's all tied in with emotions. You're absolutely right. Because heck, even the reason we go after something is to feel a certain way. Like the reason you want the car or the reason you want the house or the reason you want a relationship or the reason you want a certain meal, anything is because it makes you feel a certain feeling that you are desiring. That's right. ultimately the the you know feelings are really all about it. Um, and those expectations and like and as you in your language putting it into the rules and catching catching them is so important. I have a whole module on catching all this kind of stuff because it's like right. if you don't if you can't become aware of this, then you can't stop it. You can't stop it and replace it. And like you said, you did a a powerful reframe where -hmm. you were like, where am I actually in control of this? So something that um, we talk about is uh, flipping one of these expectations or rules or conditions into an intention of a way of being that just like you did, how can I be that will model out there what I want, possibly attract what I want because like attracts like, um, whatever you believe in spiritually could come into play here too. If you believe in law of attraction or just, uh, you know, any of anything like that, as far as, um, just if I'm going to, if I want a more loving relationship, then I can have an intention to practice being more loving in all of my Mm -hmm. current relationships and in, and in, every new, like in all my relationships, period, whether they're new or old. And then that will actually make me possibly attract that kind of relationship back to me. And I think that's what, I mean, I think I'm paraphrasing it differently just in my own words, what you said, but I'd mm-hmm. love to hear your, you know, if you, if that's how you see it too, that you're, you're taking the, the you're figuring out, well, I have control over me. Therefore, if I act this way, I'm going to put myself out Again, you can think of it as magnetic, you can think of it as energy, you can think of it as however you want, but you're going to become suddenly more open to having that thing come into you that you want to feel. Yes. Yeah. The change has to happen from within. And, um, you know, I, I think what you're saying is very true. I think of now, you know, like, so my, 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 my faith is very important to me. And I look at the life of, especially like the early Christians. Okay. That think about this, the early Christian community was under assault first by the 
by, by the Jewish community and then by the Romans. All right. And it, they were subject to death. And yet these people, because they had been transformed on the inside, all right, kept living this life. And the thing about you know, when you look at that, why were then all of a sudden all these people are converting to Christianity? Why was it? Because they were living differently than the rest of the world. And it became something they were living differently in a way that was very attractive to people. They were taking care of the poor, not only of their own, but of, you know, all these other societies. So again, the transformation has to come from the inside, really. You know, we're not going to, and you can't, I mean, to a certain extent, you can fake it till you make it. All right. But if we still have got mental garbage that's sitting in here, as my, my coach calls it head trash. <laughs> okay. And if we've got that head trash, it's going to reflect in, in whatever we do. And I think that's really where the heavy lifting has to come in is, is how do we get rid of all the garbage that's in our head? All right. And reframe ourselves to see ourselves as we truly are. I mean, yeah. does that makes sense. Or you see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, no, it does. And I think that, um, you commented on you, you you can kind of fake it till you make it and we're talking here literally about like how you live in the world you know not right. necessarily um so uh i think that can some if you don't know what else to do at least that can maybe get your toe in the door for right. finding the momentum of the shift you need internally but if you don't right. really dig in if you don't really dig in and open it up and be like okay let's look at the thoughts like it's let's look at the feelings like I'm feeling this way right now. What the heck does, you know, what do I, what do I need? What do I need right now to right. shift this? Um, mm -hmm. And let's acknowledge that I even feel this way and it's not wrong or bad. Um, but right. until we're willing to be more aware of our own inner everything that is like, I mean, it's like a little universe all in there. Sometimes. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, I don't know if you ever read um, uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective mm -hmm. people. And Covey hits the nail on the head because in the first part of the book, he talks about kind of the history of the um, self-help genre, uh, genre that, that was out there. And, and it's interesting because he talks about in really as we see a lot of the self-help material that's out there in the last 150, uh, 150 years, 175 years, um, it's really about technique. Okay. And we can do this thing. If you do these techniques, you know, um, uh, here, here's how we can reprogram our minds and our self-talk. But if you look at prior to that period, like, you know, 175 years before and going back, back the whole way, I mean, you could go back to the ancient Greeks. It was really about building your character. It was about this, this idea that we're just talking about is, is you got to change internally. And that was Covey's point in all of this is that until we change what we change care, our character. Okay. All the techniques in the world aren't going to um, aren't going to work, and so that's really the premise of the seven habits of highly effective people. And one of the things that he has you do at the end of the book is to write your own personal mission statement. And it takes some it it, it takes some self exploration. It takes some time. It takes you. We have to really determine what what do we love and what do we want to become. All right. And then writing this mission statement that we read over and over every day. And it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of those different personality profiles that were out there. And, mm -hmm. and I got involved like about 30 years ago into uh, the network marketing uh, business. And one of the things that, that, that they were really good at was this idea of personal development. So this is how I kind of became a personal development junkie. But I remember when the disc profile came out. Mm -hmm. And it was introduced to us. So uh, my wife and I had just got married and we did the disc profiles and find out how we were, you know, how we were wired. Um, this is years later. It was right as I was kind of leaving corporate America and I was looking at businesses to get into. And I was talking to a company that uh, offered uh, that did business coaching and uh, the guy had me do the disc profile. And so it was funny. So I took the test again and we were reviewing and it was funny because my scores had changed. So, you know, I, I had, uh, my D had really come up and, and so had my, so had my C and, and my S, which is still my high or my, no, my S, my I, which is still the highest came down a little bit. I was, I became much more balanced and I was telling the guy, boy, this is really intriguing. I mean, why do you think that is? He goes, he goes, well, Matt, he goes, you spent all these years in personal development. He goes, you rewired your brain and we could do that. And I think that's one of the big, one of the big 
things that people don't understand is that we can rewire how we think. Okay. Mm -hmm. To become that best version of ourselves, but we have to put the effort in. And again, we, I think in a lot of cases we need guidance. I mean, I needed my coach, you know, your clients need you because it helps when there's somebody there kind of holding our hand and walking us through the process and also helping us to understand, you know, where our deficiencies are, even in language, you know, like sometimes, you know, I'll be, I'll be doing my coaching call and I'll say, well, I'm going to try this. And he's always like, nope, let's reframe that. Don't try, right? So again, that's what's really helpful is again having having that third party that's or that outside person, all right, that can kind of look. They're not in the battle with. They're not they they're they're in the battle, but they're above the smoke of the battle. Kind of like I always talk about the generals in the Revolutionary War times or the Civil War, where the generals were always on the hilltop, not because they didn't want to fight, but they needed to see what was happening so they could direct the troops. But if they were in the middle of the battle, there's too much, you know gun fire and cannons going off and smoke and everything that you can't see what's happening. So sometimes we need that general per se, all right, to be able to help guide us. Yep. That's exactly I, my tagline is owl guide you play on, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the owl in my logo and literally being a guide. It's um, so it, it, I even just uh, had a, a new client come on board uh, last week, done a mm-hmm. lot of personal development already. In fact, um, you know, very accomplished in personal development things. And yet I was even in within a couple sentences able able to catch some phrasing and words that were like contradictory, just in a like literally said one thing, said another. And I was like, huh. So I poked in on that a little bit. Turned out there was a little thread there throughout the whole call. And he saw it and he took notes and he's like, okay. I said, yeah, these you've done a lot, you've done a lot of growth, but it's these nuances that are, that, I mean, this is, I, I was excited to see what was going to happen because it may seem subtle at first, but it mm. can be super powerful, especially for just yeah. truly affecting how he's feeling. Because if that, if, if conflicting words come up within a few sentences, even of a, of a session with someone who has the ear out for them and knows, you know, and is trained in what to listen for and has got, you know, got that higher perspective and not caught in the weeds. Um, if they're catching that so fast, like I did, it, it's like, mm-hmm. well, what's going on inside his head? Because, right. you know, that, that is, um, he's got a beautiful life, but I'm excited to see where it can go from here in, in the, what's going on internally, how he's feeling every moment and every day, because that's really, it's the cliche, but it really is about the moment, about the journey. I mean, there is no thing that we're reaching that someday we're going to feel a certain way. We've got to, the more we start, the sooner we start caring more about how we feel, the sooner we actually put attention and energy into shifting how we feel, getting support to even learn what that even means if we aren't quite sure. And, you know, the, the, the better our lives we'll feel and we will get to the end of the line and be like, that was an awesome ride. There, there will be Mm -hmm. many less regrets than, than if not, I mean, you, you are continuing with your coach. You attribute Mm -hmm. a budget. You have a sizable budget for coaching and the things you do in the personal development world. And, to my understanding, you have no desire or, you know, there's no short-term plan to have that stop out of your, your, uh, life. You know, why is that? Why do you see it continuing to be there? Because every time, every time the, when I start investing more into personal development, I see the, the biggest amounts of growth. Okay. So kind of the rule of thumb, and and this is what my coach teaches. And I actually now use this with my clients is to devote 10%. And I devote 10% of my top line revenue to personal development. The beauty of doing a percentage is that maybe in one year, I, I remember early on where that was like 20 grand. Wow. That can get you to some decent conferences, buy some good books, um, maybe get, you know, you know, 
some type of maybe lower level coaching, that kind of stuff. But as your business then begins to grow because you're growing, that budget can then go to $200,000. Well, you can do a hell of a lot with $200,000. I mean, you can hire, you know, some of the best coaches in the world who are costing a hundred, you know, a hundred grand a year or um, some of the best conferences that are out there. So, and we're always evolving. That's the, that's the biggest thing. We always have to be evolving because the world, there's, there's so much noise that's out there. Okay. I always, you know, it, it's actually funny being in financial services and it blows my mind because you look at, at, at financial advisors and I know a lot of them who are making strong six figures, seven figures, some of them up into eight figures in income who think of themselves as complete failures. And a lot of it is because in the, in, in the financial service world, you kind of get in, all right? And your first like big bogey is to do $250,000 in revenue. So you're working, you're working, you're working. And all of a sudden you hit this and you're like, yes, I did it. And then what's your branch manager say? Hey, that's great. You know what? This guy over here is doing 500,000. And you're like, oh, okay. So you start working and working and then you get to 500,000. And then branch manager says, yeah, this guy's doing a million. And it's just, and it keeps going on and on like that. And the problem is if we keep chasing that, we're never going to feel fulfilled ourselves. And we're, and we're, maybe we start chasing money. That's not always the most important thing to us. Okay. So, and I see this in the collision space all the time. It's really amazing the parallels between the two, because a lot of these guys are really successful, but there's kind of a mindset out there that because they do, they work on cars. All right. I mean, I, one of my clients, one of my big clients, and he's been in the collision business for 30 years and he's ultra successful. And we were having lunch the other day and he said, he was telling me, cause we were talking about this whole concept and he said, yeah, he goes, I remember when I decided to study uh, auto body repair and my parents saying, why do you want to be a grease monkey? All right. Now think about that. That sticks in his head. Right. And so, you know, and, and I think it sticks in a lot of these guys' heads. So, you know, they, they have kind of this, this poor self-image because of what people, uh, you know, how people define them. And yet mm -hmm. they're some of the most successful people probably in their communities. So that's why having continual personal development, because if we, if we stop, all of a sudden this garbage is going to keep sneaking in. And I remember years ago, a mentor of mine saying for every negative, for every negative thought that you have, you need three positive thoughts to overcome that. Yeah. So, we, we have that negativity bias. Literally our brain has the negativity bias, yeah. which served us really well when our lives were simpler and it was, you know, if there was something negative, it was because it could you know, harm our life, Brilliant, right, you know, right. take our life, right? When, um, yep. you know, pre-modern times. But uh, but now that negativity bias can be very detrimental to us. And it's yep. it's it requires a lot of effort and intention to right. go against it, just like you said, the three times. And that's interesting what you said about your clients and that concept. I mean, I think as a whole, we could say, especially our American culture, you know, rewards the hard work, rewards the thing, but only for the minutia moment. And then it's like, oh, but you can go more. Oh, but you can yeah. do better. Oh, but there's other people out there to compare yourself to. And we're going to compare yeah. you for you. If you don't, you do it yourself. So yeah, more, 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 more. And there's never enough ever. Right. And then you add on to that different people with their backgrounds, whether it be uh, in your niche and a common kind of a thought out there that's put on them or that they have themselves a belief uh, mm -hmm. about it being sort of a lower bad thing, you know, s sort of a negative lower uh, career and, and mm -hmm. the irony of that because they're doing really well and yet they can't embrace that feeling and acknowledge themselves for that. Um, and I think and then other people that have just various things that have happened in their lives that one thing is told to them that sticks. And then again, right. you got the culture of the society that is encouraging this chasing and it's never enough. And then we're in a big pickle until we slow down, stop the train mm -hmm. and like realize, uh, okay, I'm safe, first of all. And right. secondly, do I really want the things I'm going after? 
am I even enjoying the experience? Or like I, I did a podcast a few, a month or two ago is my magical six month question, because this is, yeah. I've, I've actually used this when I, a big decision, but I remind myself of it many times too. Basically it's like fast forward six months down the, the road. And let's just say that's the end of my road, at least in this right. experience as this human. Well, yeah. will I have regrets? And so I want to live right now and make some decisions that I wouldn't regret because I don't, I don't. And if I think six months, it makes it really, real, really fast. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> versus five, you 10, 20 years, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, yeah. But six months is like, well, holy crap, I better make sure um, I'm right. living really intentionally now. So I want to clean that stuff up now. I want to take care of it now. I want to feel better now. I want to change the programming. Because I do, yeah. I feel like that we, like you said, rewire ourselves. We we come in and we get programmed, and we and then we continue to experience things that program us further into having certain beliefs that really are are not supportive in the big scheme of feeling good, satisfied, content, and enjoying our lives. Right. 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 Oh, exactly. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting you talk about this because I just finished a book by uh, Pat Lencioni called uh, The Six Working Geniuses. And Lencioni, when he writes, I, I, I like the way he writes because the basically the first uh, three quarters of the book is a fable explaining kind of his concepts. And then he spends the last quarter of it kind of defining, uh, you know, what, how this, these concepts works, but the whole idea behind uh, the working geniuses is Valenciani has six of them. All right. And it's, it's, it's wonder, um, uh, uh, ideation, it, um, discernment, galvanizing enablement and tenacity. Okay. So, you know, somebody who's wonders is somebody who asks questions all the time. You know, is there a better way to do this? Or, um, you know, you know, could we change something that would really affect our growth? Um, uh, you know, ideation, they're the ideas people. So they're like, Hey, yes. What if we did this and this and this and this, the discernment people can take that idea and say, yeah, I think this is a good idea. Or, mm, you know what? I don't know if this is going to be, uh, if this is really going to work and we might want to rethink how we do this. Your galvanizing people then can rally. They're good at rallying people around the cause and get things moving in motion. Your enablers are the ones that are uh, that can work the project, and then your people with tenacity um, are finishers. They're the ones that can see it through to completion. So, so Lincioni's premise is that we each have two working geniuses in these uh, uh, in, of these six areas. Two are geniuses. Two are competency. So, in our genius, that's what kind of the gifts that we were given. That's that's what we were created to do, and that's where we're most energized. I mean, we just love working in these areas. Our competencies are areas that we can do, okay. Uh, but if we have to do them for too long, it starts to burn us out, and then our frustrations are the things that just really just completely tap us out. Well, part of the problem is, is that society kind of tells us that we have to be good at all of these things. And if you're not good at every one of them, you know, you're a failure, you know? So what I've learned from this business is that, no, it's not about that. It's really about what I, what we need to do is work within our working geniuses and limit our time in the other one as well. Limit our time in our competencies and really find other people or other technologies that can, can do the, our frustrations and we'll live a much more fulfilled life. So that's been a real eye opener to me. And it's, it's funny cause I'm reading this in conjunction with, uh, uh, the book 10 X is, is easier than two mm -hmm. X by Dan Sullivan and, mm -hmm. and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And you're familiar with that. Yeah. And you know, the whole, the premise in that is it's easier to 10 X two X requires double the effort. 10 X requires a whole different mindset. And it's yes. really about, he talks about working in your unique ability and that's exactly what your working genius is. Yeah. So, so that's really, I think, you know, too many times we're kind of sold that we have to be everything to everybody and we're just never, we're not wired that way. But if we can learn and understand what is our true genius, okay, then we can really start to focus our, uh, focus our work on those areas that get us the most energized and utilize the gifts that we were given in the, with the for the greatest impact and also help others that have 
the other competencies to uplift their own lives. So it really becomes a win-win. I love that. And I love how much you are. In, I mean, this is an example looking at, you have a coach, you go to conferences, uh, and you also are reading books. And in this case, multiple right. at the same time. Um, and that's <laughs> when I have on my list, uh, the 10X and 2X. I've heard many of my mentors talk about it. And so I've, I've got the gist and kind of the cliff note version so far, but I look forward right. to reading it myself or listening to it. I'm more of an audible gal. But the yeah. um, to, for those of you listening, well, first of all, there's two points I want to I want to mention and see if you agree. First of all is these, like figuring out what is in your genius. And there's also the books, The Genius Zone and uh, by, is that... Um, Oh, I can't I think don't of remember. the yeah okay anyway another great book and there's two by that author that are that follow each other um and that similar similar concept of these kind of things of like uh of the he has it into I think three or four maybe four categories um okay. but the the same concept of fig, see what is in your genius and do most of that kind of the the 80-20 rule right. of spend most yep. of your time there. Now, that is – and that's not just in your work. So I, I want to – I think that's important for people to think about, right? Like apply that to your oh, whole yeah. life. Like apply that to your relationships, to your home. Like what do you do around that house? What do you – whether or not you do the yard work or, you know, all of these things. Or what what part of the yard work do you do? How do you do it? it like right. All of that can be um, qualified by your genius. Be and if you if you take your genius and apply it to every area of your life, and you it's not an overnight thing to figure this out. And and I want right. to hesitate to use the word the phrasing "figure out" because then it, that brings in our our brain, the left side of our brain, too much, which I'm. I'm all about this is really tapping into your whole brain and your creativity and your passions mm -hmm. and your what lights you up, which is something that isn't really a figure out thing. It's like a what right. feels good thing, what lights me up thing, what comes easy to me and I enjoy like tons. I really – lights me up is the, the big one I say. So I just want to point out I believe this is stuff that can be applied to all areas of your life. Do you agree? Oh, yes. Very much so. Very much so. I mean, it was interesting after reading Working Geniuses, I, um, uh, they, he has, actually has assessments and I, I, um, I'm not there yet, but I was talking to my wife about it. And one thing that we, one thing we figured out and this is one of our frustrations is booking vacations, going out to dinner, all those type of things, because, you know, my wife is probably more wonder and galvanizing. I'm more uh, my working genius is more ideation and discernment. So for example, um, my wife wants to go, let's say she wants to go to dinner. Um, she got, you know, I wonder where we could go to dinner. And I'd be like, well, you know what? We've wanted to try this place. This might be a good idea. And then I'm thinking, you know, again, discernment, this is a good idea. She's like, yeah, that would be a great idea. But all of us, both of our frustrations are enablement and tenacity. So next thing you know, I'm going, did you book reservations? No, no, no. I thought you were going to book it and neither one. And I hate doing it. I mean, I literally, because it's my working frustration going on vacation. We do the same thing all the time where it's like, we have these great ideas, but then we never fall through for them because why it's not our, in our working. Uh, it's not in our working. It's actually in our frustrations. And so neither one of us want to attack that. So what we're now trying to figure out is then how do we do this? Do we need to hire a personal assistant? I was just going to gonna say, finish the yeah, finish the job for yeah. us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean? Which is an uh, because and you, this is thinking outside the box, and this is what coaching and and kind of and just just yeah, you being so open with your mind and and caring about all these things and looking into all of this, ha I believe is part of what's opened you up to even think of that for yourself because some people wouldn't think of that but it's like a, a lot of couples would just get pissed off at each other right and just have it be right. like turned into a fight and just a blame game or a, well we never do this because of this and you know find how they're the victim and the other you know all of that stuff will come into play mm -hmm. where here you're like okay we do get, both get frustrated and yet we're now trying to sort it out 
And hey, one idea is that we hire someone to help us in this part of our personal life. Isn't that a, I mean, but there's, it's just to show that there's solutions that we can easily dismiss or just not even, just blinders because we're so stuck Mm -hmm. in a way of thinking, a mindset that is just like, this is the way I am. This is the way she is. We always do this. It's going to forever be this way. This part of our life sucks. You know, I mean, people could go there, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You better believe it. And I think they do go there all the time. And we just, we don't understand that each of us has been giving unique gifts, but also we have those areas that we're just not good at. And, and I think we can recognize that and accept that now we can start to find the solution that we need or okay. don't enjoy. Cause sometimes you might like, well, yeah. you know, you may have the skills to be able to, you know, you each probably have the skills to be able to book the reservation. Right. Oh, but God. if, yeah, yeah. but if it annoys you every time you have to do it, if shooting off an, a, a little message or just while you're talking, sending a little task to the assistant wouldn't right. be annoying if that wouldn't annoy you then like that's the, yeah, then awesome. Do that. Right. Right. And that's where thinking outside, you got to think outside the box on a lot of these things. You know, if you're, if you're having an, you know, let's say, let's say you, um, you're suffering from low energy. Well, I think you've got to identify why is that? All right. Am I not getting enough sleep? Okay. Well, if you're not getting enough sleep, then maybe you have to revamp your schedule to start getting to bed earlier. Okay. Um, maybe your, maybe your health isn't that good and maybe you need to hire a, uh, a train, a personal trainer or a nutritionist or, and these are all part of this personal development budget. Okay. That's the thing that you got to understand. I think that's what the beauty of is, is having a budget to do this is now you can start to identify not only what are the things that I need to be doing, but who are some of the people I need to bring in to do those things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a chiropractor, um, you know, maybe a therapist, you know, some families may, maybe it would make sense to have somebody like you on retainer to, you know, when the family's running into issues that, you know, that they can call, right. And just have them there. I mean, these are all, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of different areas to look at that, but I think having that budget then kind of puts it front of mind for us. Okay. And then it's not so much that we start beating ourselves up, but we can't do these things, but then how do we solve this problem? Okay. And again, the more we solve it, the, 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 the greater, you know, the, it, it's interesting, you know, my, you were mentioning my podcast, your business, your life. And the reason I came up with that is just in working with family businesses for 30 years, the thing I found is what happens, what, what happens in your business affects your life and what happens in your life affects your business. Okay. So if we don't get this right, it's going to affect every aspect of of our, you know, uh, every aspect of our life. So again, by having this personal development, uh, budget that we have and start working on improving ourselves. All right. We start to see, we got ourselves better, which then helps our businesses or careers get better, which then allow us to make more money which then gives us more money to be able to invest more into our personal development because mm-hmm. personal development is an ongoing process. It's not something that ever ends. I mean, I was telling you, I just was at my uh, business planning conference and first full day is all mindset. All right. And I've been doing this for 13 years and every time I identify, here's another little thing I got to tweak here. All right. Here's another, you know, maybe it's in my belief system. Maybe it's in my, maybe it's in my values and my rules. Okay. Maybe my rules have changed, you know? Um, you know, one of the big ones is, you know, Maslow came out with, and, and Tony Robbins talks about this, about the six uh, basic human needs. Okay. And where do we have, what's our hierarchy there? Maybe we got to shift our hierarchy on it. You know, if they're, if it's too self-serving, maybe we need to have something more from the spirit, like contribution and growth and start to elevate those as part of our, uh, as part of our human needs. Um, you know, any of these areas, but these are all little things that I think we continually need to work on. And even as we evolve and as we start to change, there's other things that become important too. So it's an ongoing process is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It is. And it's, um, I do a lot of gardening metaphors, not that I garden that much to be honest, but, um, but it, you know, just that nature and that fact, I mean, and just even looking outside my window right now and just seeing the leaves turning and shedding and then the birds moving around. I mean, we are natural beings and things are just, it's just constantly shifting. It's the layers of the onion. 
and you yes. you peel back one and then you know you realize you you think oh and if you're earlier on in this process you might think oh got that one nailed phew but then the more the more you know them then the more you don't know kind of thing pops right, up right, right so yes. the more yeah, personal yeah. development you do then you're like oh look at that okay well there's a layer okay well there's like a hundred more where that one came from <laughs> <laughs> and you yeah, just come to yeah. you come to know that and you're like okay got another peeled back that means there's even more there okay good juicy this will be something else to experience later on in life but now it doesn't scare me as much it doesn't knock me down as much you know i have a much faster recovery and resilience with these moments of these emo- right. i would say maybe more emotionally turbulent times mm-hmm. yeah and we l- um yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I go ahead. I was I wasn't sure if you were. <laughs> you know that that's it. That was it. That was the thought. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, you know, and I was the the image that uh, came to mind with that is is when you take gold and you're looking to purify it. Okay. And what happens is you put the gold, you put it under intense heat, and what happens is the impurities start to bubble up. Okay. And I think that's what happens as we go through personal development. But the hotter mm. we make the fire, sometimes the more the impurities uh, deeper, deeper impurities come out. And I don't think it's anything that we ever completely solve, but if we accept that that's part of the process, we'll always be coming better. Yes. We'll always be coming better. And that's what really this whole idea he's talking about of uh, becoming the best version of yourself is really all about. Yeah. And, and then that means feeling better, feeling better, more <laughs> of your days, more of the minutes of each day. Like that's, I feel that should be our ultimate goal. And if we are feeling better, then we will help other people around us feel better. And we're going to make yep. um, wiser decisions. And it just, it's the trickle effect. It's a domino effect. It just, everything is better if we can make ourselves feel better. And I love your commitment to this in your life. It's so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. One thing, and and one thing I'd like to uh, just briefly talk about, and and this has really been huge for me, is this idea of a morning power hour. And if you read the biographies of any successful person, whether it's in business, whether it's um, uh, a religious person. Um, no matter what, they always take that first hour of the day and give it to themselves. And it's time to kind of get themselves prepared um, and get their mindset right. Athletes, it's really, if you look at athletes, what do athletes do? Athletes have very regimented programs and especially in the morning. I remember I, I was um, uh, I was reading something on Novak Djokovic and Novak Djokovic gets up in the morning and he does an hour worth of stretching, all right? And then after that, he hops on his bike and he's got a nature park that's down by his house and he rides for like two hours just to get his head right, all right? Then he gets back and, he, and then he eats, all right? Puts good nutrition into his body. And then he goes out for his first practice of the day. And, and so he's got a very regimented schedule, but, but having that first hour of the day is critical to anybody's success, both personally and professionally, because we need to spend that time to get our heads right. And this is where a lot of this personal development comes in. And I think one of the things that's been really revolutionary for me, at least over the past past, really, really past couple months is this idea of spending some time in silence. And there's, you know, that's where we really, it's in the silence. And I think we're so afraid of silence. Okay. Because all of a sudden the little voices in our head can kind of speak, but the voices in our head will tell us a lot about what our mindset is like. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we need to, we need to go into that. So then that we can start to do some of the work and we can start to realize what are some of the areas that are holding out. So, I mean, that's one thing that we've kind of, you know, that I've, uh, you know, that my coach and, and I have started to do is really start that first hour of the day with 15 to 30 minutes, just in silence. All right. And, you know, and again, and then journaling after that kind of what, what kind of was going through your head? What, you know, what, what's, you know, where, where am I? And then, you know, kind of moving through, then we can start doing some of the rewiring thing. Like, you know, what are our reframes? What are our goals? What are those type of things? What does our 10 X vision look like? What's our year goals going to look like? And doing that, that first hour is really just, just kind of shot my business forward and my personal life too. That's awesome. Um, and do you, 
I have found that not having a regimented schedule of like, well, I've got to do this first, then this many, and you know, this many minutes, this da da da, da um, has been better for me personally. But to just have this mm-hmm. window of time for me, it's even a couple hours to be honest. That is just I it includes it, it includes my coffee, my breakfast, my whatever puttering to do that, and just taking my time with it and listening to a podcast or uh, something that's usually really uh, motivational or a spiritual bent or something. Um, and that is part of my process. And I, I used to years ago, I would just basically wake up and be at my desk before, you know, before practically, practically maybe bring my breakfast in with me, (laughs) you know, maybe before, you you know, still be in my pajamas. I mean the whole thing. And it's like, now I I remember a few years back, it, it was kind of this fantasy dream of God, I would really like to not feel like I was really entered other people's worlds until yeah. like 10 a.m. Like yeah. I want to take my time and be able to look outside and just so I didn't have a specific plan to make that happen, but it was such a powerful desire that it kept coming up for me and slowly but surely over time I I created that reality where yeah. I rarely have a call before 10 a.m. Or I rarely mm-hmm. commit to anything before 10 a.m. There's a few exceptions, but it's very rare. And right. um, it doesn't mean sometimes I'll be doing some work before 10, but a lot of times not. Uh, and that's such a change in pace for me, but I find I just feel better. And it's making such a difference in my life. So um, so anyway, that's a little bit about my morning. But um, I, right. you know, do you find that yours is a very regimented schedule? Does that support you, or is it a not so much regimented? It's just things you try to kind of fit in there. And no, no, mine's very regimented. I mean, so pretty much my morning ritual is it's it's non negotiable. I mean, so yeah, I get up, I get up at five thirty in the morning. Um, usually, I I kind of spend like. You know, I'll kind, of, I'll kind of lay in bed and I'll do some. Vi- I kind of spend that little bit of silence, about fifteen minutes, um, silence, visualization. What is my ten x world going to look like? Um, you know, those type of things. And then I get up. I usually drink. I, I, I try to drink tw- at least twenty four hour, uh, twenty four ounces of water. All right. I drink a, 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 a apple cider vinegar toddy, have that. And then I go down to my office and that's where I'll then I'll review kind of my 10 X vision. Uh, what's my, what's my goals for the year. Then I pretty much try to get some movement. I do stretching and usually during that kind of, and that's usually about anywhere from five to 10 minutes. And I'll usually listen to my coach. will have like a, a morning video that he, he produces. So I'll listen to that while I'm doing my stretching. Then I go, I look at my daily, my, I, my day's already been planned the night before the day before. So then I look at my daily game plan. Here's how I'm scheduled. Here are the tasks that I want to get done. Okay. It's in my head. I go upstairs, I get dressed. Then I go to church. I spend morning in adoration, in prayer, which is more of my kind of meditative, contemplative time. I do my journaling there and then I just stay for eight o'clock mass. That's usually done by about 8.30, but I get back home at 8.45. I'm in the office at 8.45, but I'm like you. I don't schedule appointments typically to about 10 o'clock. So I'm kind of working on you know, checking emails, um, you know, any alerts, anything that maybe came up over the night that I didn't, that I didn't see those type of things. And then, you know, 10, I might start engaging in, in client stuff. But even then I typically try to keep the mornings more for creative work because that's when my high creative energy is in the afternoon that I usually take a break during the day and that's where I eat lunch. I, um, uh, I'll, I'll get my workout in. So I kind of got this little break in, in the middle of the day and usually about two, that's when I, a lot of times from two to, it, it depends on the day. If I have West coast clients, it can run as late as eight o'clock, but for the most part from two to five, that's when I have client appointments because I find my energy starts to sap then, but I get re-energized talking to people. So again, I try to use kind of my, my, uh, my, 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 the rhythms, my rhythms to my advantage also. Yeah. That's so so important. Uh, It's, it's whatever works for you. I think that's what I want you all is listening to, to grab Mm -hmm. is that, you know, whatever works for you, but, but to be, to put some attention 
into that part of your day, especially the first part of your day, because it really can set the tone for your whole day. So whatever it looks like for you, but something that really supports you in helping you feel the way you actually want to feel for most of your day. Because if you can start off your day accessing those feelings, then you're going to have a better chance of being able to revisit them throughout the day. And, right. and, um, and then you've put something in at lunch that helps you uh, to kind of reconnect with that as well. And, yeah. and these other things, I think that's really important. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love this. I could talk to you forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have a habit of doing that. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But, um, I will, uh, close with, um, well, first of all, if people happen to know someone who, since your your ideal clients are in the collision industry, um, if they happen to be that or know someone in that world, you're ideally looking for literally those collision shop owners, correct? Yeah, yeah. correct. That's pretty yeah. much what my niche is. Yeah. 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 So if you know anyone like that, the next time you're taking your car in and you happen to, you know, especially those, those shops where you happen to know the owner, you get to know the owner in any way. Um, you just know that Matt's out there might be worth an introduction. You can sense he's very committed to like a very holistic way of living. It's not just about, um, you can imagine it's easy for me to imagine how you take all of that we talked about today and you put it into your work in the sense of you are not going to be health, the type of person that is just all about the dollars and like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's grow and plan the sale of your business um, to be like the absolute max you can get period end of story. That's all you care. You know, that is certainly not you, not from what I've gotten to know about you. And you take all of this in there, which, which means someone would be in amazing hands to work with you to grow and come up with an exit plan for their business, because Mm -hmm. you're going to care about the other facets of their life and figure out, do they want the top dollar or do they want a certain lifestyle and they want to figure out a plan? Mm -hmm. Do they want to stay on it? for, you know, and working until they're 70 years old or not, or, you know, right. all those things you, that, um, are important, right? Yeah. Yeah. And well, and what's interesting is that as I start to work with clients, it's amazing how sometimes their goals change because they just didn't understand what the possibilities were. So like, I, you know, one of my guys recently, we've been trying to work. We had two sons that were in the business. One was just not working out. Uh, but his younger son was key guy was, and he couldn't figure out like, cause he, he was not taking the steps to truly exit as he said. And I really identified this and I said, this isn't what's important to you. I said, I think a redefinition of roles is what's important to you. And he's finally come to the realization that, you know, no, what I want to do is build culture. I want to build my people. I just don't want the day-to-day stuff. I have another guy I've just, just started working with and wasn't sure what he wanted to do, had a key guy, I'd like to sell the business to, but we don't know if he's capable or not. And so I said, well, let's, let's just quickly, we'll go out and see what the third party market looks like. And so I brought him to one of my M&A people. She started going through the numbers and I'm telling you, it's really appealing. It was really appealing. I mean, he could just in his lease payments on his property, he could get 25 to 30 grand a month. Okay. That's a pretty good income just on lease payments. But as we got talking, he said, you know, he goes, yeah, that's neat, but I'd like my key people to, uh, to have some skin in the game. I'd like them to reap some of the benefits. So whether they want to take over ownership or maybe we decide to sell and they have some equity in it that they can get some of the upside. He goes, that's what I'd really like. And so by, again, by taking into account what is truly important to them and helping sometimes to lead them. See, I'm really more of a coach than anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a financial guy, but I tell this story, you know, doing a financial plan or an exit plan is like a puzzle. You're just putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I can do that in my sleep. All right. But if you don't see the picture on the top of the box, of what it's supposed to look like, it's really hard to put the picture together. So really that's what my role is, is to help them put the picture together and then I can lead them to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But it's really coming down to what is most important to them. And I tell them all the time, look, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you sell it with third party, whatever. I mean, 
the bottom line is, are you going to have, because I've seen too many guys who've sold their business and then a year later they have buy, uh, seller's remorse. Oh, apterently there's They're a stat. PricewaterhouseCoopers um, did a yeah. study and three out of four business owners regret their decision, profoundly mm -hmm. regret it uh, within a year. And which is right. one of the reasons I've entered into the space and have been and even met you in the first place and um, have been meeting more people in this world because it's like, wow, that's just that's just that's like unacceptable. <laughs> I mean, it just yeah. be, because people there's the fantasy of what that's going to be like, and they're not slowing down to think about what do they really want and what are they going after with that exit. Right. And it's it's easy to just get caught up in the, well, you can sell it and you can make this much money and then you go off in the sunset and you're like, well, yeah, I'm not a go off in the sunset kind of person. I want to I wanna actually stay on and do X, Y, and Z. That really would right. make me happy. And you're helping mm -hmm. to identify that, which is huge so that yeah. the majority of your clients are going to be in that smaller group, which is awesome. You know, you're going to help. Right grow that of people who do not regret any of their decisions and they're still enjoying their life. That's super That's important. So oh, it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Um, and so I always like to close with a quote. So I know you okay. mentioned you have a few on your mind. So what, what's popping to mind now? I think, I think the biggest one is, uh, you will become like the top the 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 five people that you spend the most time with and i think that's really critical we've got to be we've got to we've got to be careful who our associations were with we want to be around people that are going to uplift us that are going to help us to grow maybe sometimes make us uncomfortable mm -hmm. but that's okay mm -hmm. so i think having a coach you know like you uh, chairs, um, reading books, going to seminars, getting around like-minded people who want to grow. It's probably the most critical thing you can do in your personal development. Uh, because we do, if, if, you know, we, we worry about who our kids hang out with. Why don't we worry about who we hang out with? Right. That's such a great point. And, and I want to, uh, clarify for you listening. If you're looking around and you're like, well, if I look at literally the people, like human beings that I'm literally around all the time, and you're thinking, well, that's not exactly going to elevate me, you can start with and go toward, like he just said, um, the books, the the authors, the podcasts, the videos that you're consuming, the time you're spent scrolling social media, you can curate your feeds, unlike and stop following the things that are dragging you down or making you feel like irritated or annoyed or frustrated um, yep. or upset or depressed. I mean, it, yes, pay attention to what's going on in the world and do it in a way that does not bring you down with it because then you're no good to anyone. Right. So like, You're I'm right. not one to sit and watch all hot. We will forward through the news to see some of the highlights because that's, but I mainly like to skim over an email I get because reading yeah. it doesn't upset me as much. But anyway, the, the whole idea of being able to curate the influences in your life. So those five people he mentioned can be, can come in the forms of a podcast host, a coach, an author, um, you know. And then you can really drill into some of the feeds and things you're seeing and you can take it to change all of these outward external influences and right. elevate one to start with one at a time, but you can elevate it all and it'll make such a difference. Well, and, and I think also, you know, you need to look at your personal relationships too. Yeah. And it's just that sometimes people in your life, they, they drag you down. That's now, again, if it's, if it's somebody like a spouse, that's you, that's a little more difficult to do. And I, I would recommend trying to rectify that first. Okay. But you know, if you hang around with a bunch of buddies who all they want to do is hang out at the bar, you know, go golfing all weekend and then hang out at the bar afterwards and not spend any time with their families, those might be associations that you want to eliminate. Absolutely. And if that you want to eliminate. Because that's in your comfort zone right now, though, if that's terrifying you or if you're like, oh, my God, I can't stop, you know, if that makes you freak out, then go for the lower hanging fruit that's not so right. not such a big leap. And then know in the have in the back of your mind, though, and see if you can challenge yourself to change some of these 
actual physical relationships, whether it's people you see or people you talk with or people you're texting all the time and lessen some of that. You can wait to respond to certain people and not be the quick one to respond all the time. Wait till later in the day. Right. You can you you can start to shift the dynamics of the relationship, and they're going to get their needs met elsewhere if you're not quite so accessible. If you know that that person is dragging you down, and I don't mean that like they're at a lower level than you and you're better than them. No, I don't mean no, that. No. It's just, but if no. they're if they're literally dragging your energy down, if they're making you feel unworthy, if they're making you feel yep. or make decisions that then compromise your sleep, you know, compromise your health. Uh, whatever it is that you then can trace that is leading to a bigger challenge in your life that is contributing on a regular basis to how you feel, then yes, consider yeah. baby steps toward changing it if, if it sounds mm-hmm. too scary just to end something quickly. So you Correct. can go after low-hanging fruit, but start yes. doing it. Start changing yeah. those influences. Yes. Okay, Matt, so great to see you. So great to have you here. Fun to have a different perspective of someone that you're, you've are you become immersed into this world and yet truly by personal choice and the fact that you've become a junkie, I love that with it. Um, and, and you see too, I mean, like you said, you've become a coach in your own right of how you help people. Mm-hmm. So all of this has... I mean, who would have thought that it would help someone who is the fin- in the financial planning space? But it does. It helps you. And that's just a reminder to all of you. I don't. It doesn't matter what you do in your profession. Mm-hmm. The more work you do on yourself, the more you will help others in any role you have. And that's a given. Amen. That's a given. Amen. Yep. Okay, everyone. Thank you again, Matt. We'll uh, oh, we'll certainly stay in touch. Definitely, definitely. It was all. It's always a pleasure, Charis. I, I I enjoy talking with you, and I think the message that you have for people is just so important. So I hope um, you know if you're listening to this um, and you have friends that can benefit from it, please feel free to um, uh, forward it to them because uh, I, I think Charis just does great work and kind of gets it in this whole idea of mindset. Thanks, Matt. Oh, and, and, and in the show notes, we'll have a link to his website. So again, you know, anyone in the auto collision world, um, you want to send them, share this episode with them and they can get a taste for Matt and see what he thinks. And also check out his website. He has a complimentary consultation. And mm-hmm. then I'm also going to put in links to the podcast episodes where I was on your show because that was a yeah. really, those were two great conversations we had. So I'll put those in the show notes too for everyone to check out. Sounds good. Okay. Take care, everyone, and pay attention to those five people. And, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. I hope you're enjoying my Cherish Your Life podcast. If this is supporting you in any way, please review, subscribe, and share it with friends and family. You can follow me on social media at Cheris Your Life, and my website is CherisYourLife.com. Yep, my name's unique. Here's an easy tip for you to pronounce and spell it. It's like the city, Paris, but with a CH. Special thanks to my dear friend, Paul Suyelgis, who enhanced and mixed the musical track. Little did we know back in college in the 90s, while my then boyfriend, now husband, and I listened to Paul riff on his guitar that he'd be helping me decades later give a creative touch to something called a podcast. Podcast.